Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360, a multidisciplinary medical information network. Dr. Robert Giuliano is here to speak with us today about the findings from a secondary analysis from the Improve It study on the association of serial high-sensitivity cardiac troponin T with subsequent cardiovascular events in patients stabilized after acute coronary syndrome. And thank you for the invitation today. My name is Robert Giuliano. I'm a cardiologist at the Brigham and Women's Hospital and a senior researcher with the uh, senior investigator with the Timmy study group here in Boston. And not only uh, see patients in the CCU, but also have an outpatient clinic at the Brigham and Women's Hospital and I'm a professor at Harvard Medical School. So glad to be here today. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Giuliano. Could you please provide us with an overview of your team's analysis? Right, sure. No, I'm happy to spend a few minutes talking about this paper, which was published originally online in October of 2022 and came out in JAMA Cardiology in print in December 2022. This is one of many secondary papers from the Improve It trial, which many in the audience will know well. Improve It stands for Improved Reduction of Outcomes by Torin Efficacy International Trial. And it was a study in over 18,000 patients with hospitalized for an acute coronary syndrome who were randomized to either simvastatin alone or azetamide plus simvastatin. And it was placebo-controlled, double-blinded, and showed that azetamide reduced uh, LDL cholesterol, and reduced cardiovascular events during a meeting in the six years follow-up. Now, as part of a large clinical trial, you know, we collected blood samples, have been doing many secondary analyses and papers. And so this particular paper we're discussing today was an analysis of over 6,000 patients who had their blood collected at one month and four months into the trial, and uh, high-sensitivity troponin was measured. This was a troponin T assay. And we just asked the question, you know, do the troponin T levels at one and four months after a clinical trial, are, are, are they important or helpful for, prognos for pr prognostication? And, and we ended up focusing in really on the change in troponin, which, which was an important predictor of worse outcomes, worse cardiovascular outcomes. If your troponin was rising, particularly if there was a large rise, that was a bad uh, sign for the patient. So of course, we're talking about kind of, is it worthwhile to measure troponin? What would you say? Could you elaborate more on the results of this analysis? Yeah, sure. So yeah, I would say first in standard practice, at least in, in my area, it's not standard or routine in outpatients to measure troponin for prognostication. We use it, you know, in the emergency department to identify myocardial infarction or myocardial injury. We obviously use it in the hospital to understand who's having an infarct or where they are in the infarct and are they recovering. But now we're talking about measuring it in stable outpatients who have had a recent acute coronary syndrome. And in fact, if you try to do that at, at our institution, you'll even get a warning saying, do you really want to measure the troponin in an outpatient? It's not designed for that. So we're breaking new ground here uh, by measuring it one and four months post-ACS and notice that, first of all, high troponin even in stabilized patients is not a good thing, uh, higher rates of cardiovascular events. And furthermore, if you look at the change between month one and month four, those who had no change 
at pretty low event rates. Those who had a moderate change of, on this particular assay between three and seven nanograms per liter had a worse cardiovascular outcomes. And the group that really had the highest event rates were those who had an increase of more than seven nanograms per liter. And we, we analyzed it in all different ways, different cut points and, and so forth, and found pretty consistent results that uh, the larger the absolute increase, the worse the prognosis. And then there were some patients who had a decrease, and those patients tended to do better with lower event rates than those that increased. So kind of an interesting, novel application of a troponin assay in outpatients after acute coronary syndromes. Now, you had mentioned that it's not always common to measure troponin. What would you say are the gaps in the research of troponin in subsequent cardiovascular events? And what would you say is next for research on this topic? Yeah, well, you know, uh, troponin was designed to help us identify patients who are having a myocardial infarction and then, you know, has proven useful and other cardiovascular diagnoses like a pulmonary embolism to identify high-risk PE, to identify patients who have other causes of myocardial injury or necrosis like myopericarditis, acute cardiomyopathies, Takotsubo syndrome. So it's very useful in the ED and in the inpatient setting. This is one of the first applications in an outpatient setting and with use of serial troponins. And so, you know, we, we have in this paper uh, a little over 6,000 patients with values at month one and month four. But, you know, is this something we ought to be measuring at month 12, uh, yearly thereafter? Is it a, a marker you want to continue to follow? And in which patients and how do you interpret that? All, all that uh, remains to be determined. But this is kind of just the first chapter in the outpacing use of serial troponins to say, hey, this biomarker could be useful to follow in patients with chronic coronary disease. What would you say are the overall take-home messages from this analysis and from our conversation today? Yeah, I would say the take-home measure or take-home a message would be these cardiac biomarkers like troponin, and we didn't discuss BNP because that wasn't in this paper, but there's BNP and there's other novel markers. Keep an eye on this space uh, because we're beginning to see that biomarkers we use in research and in the hospital uh, may also uh, play an important role in the outpatient setting. And specifically, the take-home message from this paper is if you have a stable patient following acute coronary syndrome, measuring a serial troponin, and here we did it at month one and four, but I think likely you could expand that out, uh, that, that changes in troponin are associated with a gradient of risk. And if you start low and remain low, then that's a low risk situation. If you're low to high or you start high and you remain high, particularly if you're increasing, that indicates the patient who is at high risk for additional cardiovascular events uh, in the future. And in the future means in this trial, six-year average follow-up. Now, we know there are several secondary analyses from improvement. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about that's next in the analysis of the data or uh, other important papers that you'd like to mention? Yes. Well, you know, in tr- Improve It was one of the, the many large 
TIMI trials that uh, we have run, this one in partnership with Duke Clinical Research Institute. And, and like many of the trials, large cardiovascular outcome trials, there's a wealth of data. You have lots of patients in order to kind of maximize the experience and being in a clinical trial, we'll often measure blood samples, including genetics, and look at various biomarkers or look at other types of imaging studies, what have you. At this phase of Improve It, which is a trial, you know, that started, geez, now we're talking about uh, 17 years ago, uh, enrolled, and then followed for six years and reported out about a decade ago. It, we're mainly focused, we've certainly published many papers, and we're now focusing on, on novel biomarkers, so the blood samples we have, and in particular, the genetics, because that's something, that's a field that's very exciting and novel, and we're continuing to learn from analyzing genetics and tying those into the clinical outcomes. Well, thank you so much for all of your work on this and for joining us in the podcast. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that you think that we missed? I mean, I would just say that um, for the listeners, that this is a two-way street that, you know, we're very happy to participate in these type of discussions and share with you the new data. But a lot of the listeners will have interesting ideas and a lot of the advances in science occur when you're uh, in clinical practice and you have a question in, uh, that's related to a patient and certainly feel free to share those either with me or other members of our group. And who knows, we may work together on, on one of your ideas one day. Well, thank you, Dr. Giuliano. It was a pleasure speaking with you. All right. Thank you.